You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert Forto and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can hear all of our episodes over on DogWorksRadio.com and make sure you check us out on social media at First Paw Media. And I am joined today by a special guest. His name is Stanley Robinson. He is 11 years old. He lives near Nenana, Alaska. He has been dog mushing since he was about three years old. And if you are a fan of the show, you probably just listened to an interview I did with his sister, Emily. Stanley, how's it going? And welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm doing pretty good today. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you. you for thank you for Yeah, thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about. I said how old you are, but maybe tell us a little bit about where you're at in school and that sort of thing. So I'm in fifth grade. Um, I'm homeschooled. My mom used to do, my mom used to be my teacher. Um, I do online school now. Um, I like to do um, dog mushing and I trap. Um, dog mushing is really what I do in the winter. Um, me and my sister split the chores, so they're, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And my kids were involved with dog mushing since they were little too. And, and they sometimes did not like doing all the chores, getting up early in the morning or, or staying up late at night to, to do all those. So I, I totally understand there. But just a second ago, Stanley, you said that that you like to trap. What does that mean? Um, so I, we do, um, when we, we used to trap, well, we still do this year, but we don't trap as big anymore because we can only do one or the other. Um, it's either trap a lot or run dogs because it's a lot to manage, um, you know, a trap line while you're trying to train dogs. It can be a lot. Um, but we trap Martin and, um, Lynx, Mink, um, that's pretty much what we go for. Um, yeah. And are you, are you doing that with a dog team or are you doing that, uh, in, in the fall with an ATV or both? So we don't do it in the fall. 
Um, but we do do it with the dog team sometimes, but we do go by snow machine. So tell us about that with the dog team in particular. So if you're going out on a trap line and you're leaving the house, you have your dog team set up. How many dogs do you have? What do you have to do to, to, um, to work the trap line? Can you give us a little bit of that experience? Um, so how we work the trap line with dogs is, um, when we, if we trap with dogs, like 10 dogs would probably be our max. We wouldn't take big teams. It would sort of be a train run, but it wouldn't be too much. Um, so we would have to have gear to go trapping with. Um, we'd probably have to take, sometimes we do take, um, two people with us. Um, sometimes people are, um, I'm on the snow machine or my dad's running the team. Um, but trapping with a dog team can be a lot of work, but it's really fun to do it. And you said that you trap uh, Lynx and Martin. And Martin, for folks that are listening, are, are sort of like a weasel size, if you're not familiar. So not very big at all. So if you're running your trap line and you're, you're going for Martin in particular, how, how often are you having to stop? Is it every half a mile, quarter of a mile, a long way or what? So we have trapping posts, like sometimes every two miles to a mile. Um, and we don't, it's only if the trap is set off or something is in your trap that we have to stop. But if the, if you see nothing in the trap, you don't have to stop. Just keep going. Um, but when we see, sometimes when we make a new set, if we see tracks in the snow, then we'll make a new set. And when that set is made, then it pretty much just stays there year round. And, and that's basically when when the trap when the trap is is um, uh, set or whatever. How do you know that there's something in it when you're going by? Is there a little flag or something that pops up? How do you know if you're running by with your dog team? So our trap, um, our traps are on poles and they're literally like right next to the trail. Um, you can see them very easily when you're going by. Um, we do have um, flagging called banner. It's what surveyors use. And we do put that on the pole just so we know where the pole is. Um, but when we're going by, we know where they are and we can just see them. Gotcha. They're pretty so I, I talked a lot to your sister about uh, the family mushing and how you guys divide up your dogs and all that. We're going to talk about racing in just a second. But you had mentioned, Stanley, that you've been doing this since you're three years old, now 11 in your first big race just a couple of weeks ago. What's it like to live in a mushing family where pretty much your entire life revolves around mushing, whether you're talking about mushing at dinner or you're doing chores or going to races and all that. Can you give us a little bit of a slice of your life if you can? Um, so a lot of it is mainly a part of the dogs. It's all teamwork. My whole family and me are all in on it. And, um, we all split up the chores evenly. Um, talk about dog all the time. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what we do that in the winter time, that's basically, um, all what I do. Um, I do do some other activities like skiing, like I said, trapping. Um, but other than that, 
a big chunk of my life is the dogs. And you are are sort of in a mushing hotbed there near Ninana and Fairbanks. There's a lot of mushers right around there, but you're also in online school. So I'm sure that you have friends that, uh, that are not involved with mushing. What do they think about your lifestyle and the things that you do with your dogs? Um, they probably think I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but I do have cousins back in Michigan and they're really supportive. Um, they always, um, text me all the time and grab me on what I've done. Um, they think it's really cool. Um, we have taken our family on rides before my, my friends probably are pretty, um, amazed that, um, we can do this. So, yeah. So in, in online school, are you in school with just Alaska kids or is it uh, kids from all over? All over. They're all... Um, but I don't, I'm not connected to multiple people or anything. It's kind of just my own thing. Like oh, it's okay. my, I get the app and I'm not having a teacher that I talk to or anything. It's videos. Okay, so you don't have to do Zoom calls or anything like that with with students. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So as we said, that it's fascinating the trapping. I don't think we've ever talked to, definitely not talked to a junior musher about that. So I think that was really cool to learn about that and and that lifestyle. So thanks for sharing that. So let's talk about racing. Uh, you had said you've been doing this for about eight years, but this time or this year, you really turned the corner and, and did something that you hadn't done before. You did your first big race, uh, the Willow Junior 100 that you competed in just a couple of weeks ago, right in my backyard. We live in the same neighborhood where that race starts and you ran right by our house and right on the trails that I know very well. My daughter ran her first uh, Willow Jr. as her first big race as well. I think she was maybe 14 or 15, probably your sister's age. But tell us about that race. How did you prepare for that race? Of course, you did training and all that. But how did you get yourself ready to do a 100-mile race on your own? Um. So like in training, um running the dogs i was totally prepared for this um i didn't think i was prepared for it but i knew it would all be good but i've we do um 50s and 40s and that's basically like we have somewhat um sometimes tougher trails than out in willow so if i train on those in practice i can um i can nail the trails out in willow um but we sometimes do like back-to-back 50s which is basically like um just doing the run except we don't camp out but sometimes we do camp out your sister was saying that when she was growing up your dad really pushed her hard to make sure that she knew uh, the checkpoint routine and how to camp with the dogs and all of that but you just kind of showed up and and did it on your own and I guess did a pretty good job. Is that right? Right, because it was kind of like a last minute sign up kind of thing. Okay. Um, and I didn't really know it was coming. And this year I wasn't actually going to run the race. 
Um, but um, I was training for it for next year, and I would at least thought I would have had time and to camp out and figure out checkpoint routines and everything, and just you know get it get it down pat. But this year it was kind of a trial and error thing. <laughs> And it, it, it worked out, and, and you spent the time up yeah. there and uh, ran back. You had to leave pretty early in the morning. If I remember, you guys leave at like 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. Is that right, to head back down the hill? Right. So we got in the checkpoint about 7 or 8 o'clock, and we leave at like 5. I left at 5.06 in the morning, That's... which it's, it's pretty hard because you go to bed late, um, I normally stay up late, so I wasn't on a good schedule. Um, but so you go to bed at like midnight and then you wake up at five and you have to go out. But we wake up at three because we also have to do all the dog chores and we have to get our dogs situated. We have to get them ready, bootied, water the dogs, and then we have to head out again. That's, so. that's mushing 101. And even though it's just a one day race, you, you learn real quickly that you don't get a lot of sleep as a dog musher, do you? Right, right. <laughs> I like it. So your sister was saying that um, she wasn't worried about you too much. She knew that you could definitely handle yourself on the trail, but she said that you had to wear glasses and, and I'm very familiar. Can you tell our, our listeners that are not dog mushers, how difficult it can be when you're traveling in very cold temperatures and having to wear glasses, how difficult it can be to see out there sometimes. So I figured out some ways. I've had lots of time to try different things. Um, but one thing is if you have something um, like a face mask over your nose, when you breathe, it will go up to your glasses and they will fog up. I had no trouble with my glasses fogging on this race, um, which is pretty nice. Have you ever worn uh, like ski goggles or anything over your glasses? So I have done that. Um, you can do it, um, but I don't really do that um, because sometimes the glasses will fog up um, under the ski goggles. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes the ski goggles will fog up before the glasses, and then it can just be hard to deal with that. Right. So I have to ask, you said that it was a last-minute sign-up at the Willow Junior 100. What does last-minute mean? I mean, is it just the day before, the week before? When did you find out that this was the race? It was about a month. Oh, okay. So a little while. It wasn't mom and dad saying, hey, how about you run this, Stanley? You're ready to go. <laughs> Right, but it's a month. It was still pretty short notice um, <laughs> because I was not prepared somewhere. <laughs> yes. So in yeah. in the in the Willow Junior One Hundred, you guys weren't just the only brother sister team. Another brother and sister ran the race together. Uh, the uh, the Randalls, and they've both been on our show as well. Uh, did you get to know the Randalls? Have you met them? Obviously, they're they're um, junior musher competitors of yours. Um. Yes, we are very good friends with the Randalls. We met them about two or three years ago. Um. I did ran so Emily and um the sister Addie Ann. 
Um, she has ran as many times as Emily has. And Thale, this was his rookie year, just as mine. So it was basically like a brother and sister kind of thing with um, us and them. I like it. And I don't remember how old Thale is, but were you the youngest in the race or no? I've, we think I'm the youngest one to ever run the race. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an accomplishment. So how did you finish? Uh, what was the place? Fifth. Of, of out of how many, uh, juniors? Nine. Pretty good. Middle of the pack for your first race. Not too bad, huh? Yeah. I like it. So you, you said that, uh, you guys start training very early, possibly doing trap lines in the fall with, or excuse me, early in the season with the snow machine and the dog team and all of that. So your life really is, is mushing. What do you do for fun other than mushing? Fishing. <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of fishing in the summertime. Okay. Um, I do fishing. I do hunting. Um, I also do biking. I do a lot of other things um, besides mushing in the summertime. Like Emily was saying, we do have a remote cabin. Um, it's probably, it's about um, 70 miles from um, the town of Minana. Um, so we do fishing out there. We do other places where we go fishing. We did a big Denali Highway trip this year. We started in um, Paxton and we went all the way to the end. It was really fun. Um, and we stopped at Alpine. Alpine Creek Lodge. Thank you to them. And yeah, we pretty much, we do a lot of stuff in the summertime. So with the, with the remote cabin on the Tanana river, I believe you guys said, do you guys have a fish wheel out there or are you just doing regular, uh, rod fishing? So we do, um, we do not have a fish wheel. Um, multiple people out there do have fish wheels. Um, a couple of years ago, we did um, netting for our dogs, but they sh have shut down the um, salmon run just because of a shortage shortage of fish. Um, you know, commercial people are getting fish, um, but we do do um, pike fishing and chief fish, so we will do that. Um, you basically you go to creeks. Um, you don't. You're not fishing on the big river. Um, you're fishing. Um, so the Tanana is very muddy water and they're not going to be able to see anything. And pike like to go up in the more like not silty stuff. It's more, it's kind of like, it, it looks like iced tea. <laughs> That's right. Um, out of it. Um, they like to sit there and they feed off of the, um, all the stir up from the big, um, ocean, well, the big, um, waters and they go up into those creeks and they feed, um, right when the mud water hits the um, sort of golden water. Gotcha. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit about, you had talked about um, uh, feeding, feeding the dogs fish, I believe. Can you tell us about what you guys are feeding your dogs and sort of that routine? Is it a lot of fish or is it meat and kibble or what? So we haven't been able to get fish for the past three years. Wow. Um, but we do feed um, kibble. We fed Victor last year, and we're feeding Red Paw and Anuchuk this year. 
Um, but we um, have um, tubes of like meat, such as tripe, beef, um, chicken, um, liver. And we have five gallon buckets and we get water and we throw the meat that we want into the um, five gallon bucket and we uh, put the water in there and then it'll unthaw. And it's, it's uncooked meat, but that's what gives us our dogs really strength. And we do have fat that we will throw in there for them. And we unthaw meat, um, we feed it to them, and we also add kibble to that. And that really um, helps them. It, you know, sometimes if you want to put some weight on them, you put some fat in there with the, the dog's um, feed. And, yeah, that's what we use to feed our dogs. I, I like to tell people it sort of looks like a really unappetizing beef stew, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> but the dogs love it. They eat it up so fast. I mean, just in a few seconds, really. Isn't right. that right? Right. So let's talk about um, your a favorite dog or a favorite story about a dog. I know your sister had one that I believe it's a female that she talked about. So do us a favor and don't say a story about the same dog. Um, so I have a dog named King. Um, he's one of my favorites, I have to say. Um, we don't like to just pick dogs that we love. We give our love to all the dogs we equal, but he is my favorite dog. Um, but he does, um, he does, hasn't run the Iditarod. He has run the quest a bunch of times with, on Pete Kaiser's team. He ran the Iditarod, actually. Um, and he's he's such a good, great dog. He's really, he has a really funny attitude. He, he has, like, a purr to him, but it's like a growl, but it's like a happy, waggy tail growl. It's really funny. Um, he's such an amazing dog. And, yeah. What was his name again? Pig. Pigpen. Pigpen. Okay, I like it. And how old is he? He's probably about seven, seven, seven to eight. All right. All right. So that brings me up with one last question, I guess, before I ask what's next for you, is your sister was talking about how you guys sort of choose dogs. And when you have mom, dad, sister, brother, sort of everybody involved, how do you get to pick your team since you're the youngest do you just get the leftovers or do you get to pick yours first? How does that work? So for me this year, Emily took the A team. I took the B team. Um, the B team, the B team isn't a bad team. It's just the B team. Um, but I took puppies and I took a couple like eight-year-olds in my team. Um, but most of my team was puppies. I did have a good leader on my team. Um, but yeah, and, but on a race, if we wanted to split up the A team on a different race, we would have to do a choosing thing, which Emily would be like, okay, I want this dog. And then I'd be like, okay, I want this dog. And it would be kind of like that thing. So you just go back and forth. Emily doesn't get to say, I want uh, X, Y, Z dogs, and you get A, B, C. Right. So you go X and right. then A, then Z, then B right. or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. So right. that, that way everybody gets a pick of, of, of their favorites. All right. So right. 
11 years old, running in the first big race. As I mentioned to your sister, I always like to ask what's next. You're you're a brand new rush, uh, mushing racer. I mean, this, with your first race, what's next for you? I know that there's a lot of time between now and when you're thinking about doing the big races like Iditarod or Quest or something, but what do you want to do with your mushing career? Um, so I'm hoping that just like Emily's doing, maybe um, keep running junior races. I'm hoping to run Willow Junior next year. Um, I have to um, be 14 to run junior Iditarod, but I might be able to run um, by 14, maybe Yukon Quest 80, maybe Willow 150 if they would accept um, letting me run in, run it. Um, but I'm definitely hoping to do this um, for quite a while. Um, hoping to run Iditarod someday, but that is a pretty big accomplishment and goal to work up to. Um, but that would be very fun to do, especially with my sister. You know what, Stanley? I think that you and your sister are changing the sport of mushing. And I say that because you guys are doing, your sister in particular is doing adult races and junior races at the same time. That's almost unheard of in today's uh, mushing. And I think that that's really cool. I really like how the race officials are allowing your guys' experience to really shine to do that. And I think that this truly is something really special because you guys are sort of paving the way for for the future of the sport, as well as uh, the Randall uh, brother and sister kids and, and others that are, are, are your age. It's very promising for the sport. And I've been doing this a long time. I started mushing in 1994 and as I said, my daughter ran junior. I did her out a couple of times and now she's 25 years old. And I really like where it's headed. Do you? Yeah. 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 I think it's very cool. Anything else you want to mention? Say we have a couple of minutes if you have another story or, or we can end it. So do you still do dogs? Yep, we have 35 dogs here. I teach dog mushing at the university, at uh, University of Alaska and Alaska oh, Pacific so University. So I have um, students, they were just out here yesterday. So we try to introduce college kids to the sport, and I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, yes. All right, Stanley, I really appreciate you being on today. Congratulations on your first race. I look forward to following you and your sister along on, on the trail over the next couple of years. And who knows, in five or six or seven years from now, maybe I'll have you on again when you're getting ready to run your first Yukon Quest or I did a rod and we can say, hey, do you remember that interview way back when you were 11 and, uh, and, and you can be on because, you know, we have been on the air as a podcast since 2010. So I think we started before you were born. Is that right? That is correct. Wow. I was, uh, I was born, I think in 2011. <laughs> there you go. All right. Stanley, Stanley Robinson is our guest today here on Mushing Radio. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button. And leave a comment or two. And if you do leave comments, we will push them back over to Emily and Stanley. And make sure you check out Robinson Racing Kennel on social media. They're very active on Facebook. And as Emily says, Instagram as well, but not as updated 
as Facebook. Mom and dad do a great job telling stories about the kids and stuff. So it was a pleasure having these guys on. Stanley, we'll talk again soon, okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of my guest today, this is Robert from Mushing Radio. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.